You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning there, my friend. Hey, Gary. Good morning to you. It's good to see you. Look at you, man. You you look like a million dollars. Every time I see you, man, you look like a million dollars. I try. You got to look good to feel good. You know what it is? It's all you're investing in real estate. That's why you look like a million dollars, man. It could be. It could be, for sure. Um, But yeah, it's been a great Great couple weeks. Obviously, there's ups and downs here, as you know. But oh, I, I know what I wanted to ask. I'm so glad yeah. I saw you because I just had this conversation yesterday. Is it true or maybe are you hearing this? Are the feds thinking about raising rates oh, next yeah. week? Three quarters of a percent? Yes. Yes. You heard Possibly that. even more. Um, oh, but this that is, would, that this would, is expected. This is not out of the ordinary at all. This is to be expected. The market's already priced it in. Um, it's just part of the process of, you know, getting through these economic times that we're in right now is they have to raise the rates in order to manipulate the economy a little bit to get that inflation back down, which is obviously ravishing people's lives everywhere. It'll also, uh, uh, the asking prices for houses, that'll also go down as well. Because you can't That's have both. You can't have a high asking price and a high interest rate. You gotta be can. one of the- No, well, you can, well, and it's I happened mean, before. But the, the point is- by them raising the interest rates, what the Fed hopes is that will bring down inflation and that will bring down prices of not only homes, but cars and fuel and everything else that we buy in the economy. So that's the idea behind it. But like I always talk about, this is all part of a cycle and what goes up must come down. So we are as crazy as it sounds right now. I'm hearing forecasters talking about rates getting cut next year and the year after. So although right now may not feel that great and it may sound crazy, it's in the cards. It's happened before. Cut. I just, wait a minute. I just thought I heard going. So they're going to go up you know, now, next week, three quarters of a percent, you're saying one percent, what could be whatever. Right. And then only to be cut next year? Yeah, but realize hmm. when I say cut, that doesn't mean they're going back to two percent or three percent. That just means the rates a year or two from now may be a little lower than they are today, which could create great financial opportunities, refinance opportunities, create lower payments for people buying homes. But again, this is all speculation. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm only portraying to you the information that I get from the economic advisors, the forecasters that I follow, you know, and all the news outlets that actually specialize in mortgages and real estate and the data around that in quite a few have been talking about this being just temporary economic pain period that we're in. And the fact that, you know, again, a year or two from now, don't be surprised if there's a great lower interest rate opportunity than there is now. Again, doesn't mean they're going back to two or three, but you may see interest rates under 5% in the next year or two. Then a good time would be to refi. Anybody buying or getting a mortgage in 2022 may have a great option to do a refi in the next couple of years. And we've been preaching this and talking about this for how long, right? But some of our new listeners, they may not understand this. They may not have heard about this before. So, you know, when you're you're talking about a mortgage and a long-term financial plan, you can't look at today or the next three months. We need to really look out a year, two years, five years from now. But to be clear, 
you're saying, if I understand you correctly, that in going up, the Fed's going up uh, at three quarters of a, of a percentage or whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be next week, um, is it could be a good thing. That's it's supposed to be a good thing because it's for supposed inflation. to help for inflation. the inflation comes down. Inflation is the arch enemy of mortgages. Okay, the fact that inflation comes down, mortgage rates typically follow. So if we see inflation finally moderate and come down, then there's a really great probability, almost certainty, that the Fed will start lowering interest rates, you know, which is just a different policy than what they've been at. So for everyone watching and listening today needs to realize that as painful as this may be to see what's going on and hear about all this and watch your finances some people in shambles right now or getting towards that. Know there's brighter times ahead. Know there's optimism and and positive things ahead. And again, this is all cyclical. Go look at the last hundred years. This isn't the first time the Fed has raised rates. It's not going to be the last time. Go look at the market. Learn from the past. Be a student. You know, get that knowledge. Get educated. Don't make these decisions just based off of the media. Actually do your own research and diligence. That's what this show is all about, right? So today what I wanted to dive into is mortgage mistakes. I see a lot of the same issues come across. I see people that contact me after they get a mortgage and realize it's the wrong mortgage for them. So in today's episode, what I really wanted to hone in on is mortgage mistakes and what are the top mistakes and how to make sure that you are not the one making those mistakes when you get your next mortgage. Well, you've kind of almost scripted your first question then. Um, What are the most common mortgage mistakes that you see homeowners and even home buyers make today? There's so many mistakes that I see. I could go on, you know, there's dozens, but obviously we're limited on time. So I want to hone in on really the top three mistakes that I see over and over and over again. The first one is going to be taking out a mortgage without having a long-term strategy for that mortgage or not having a personal mortgage strategy. The second mistake that I see a lot of people make is they only deal with their local bank or their credit union when it comes to getting a mortgage. They don't look at other outlets. They only do business with those who they already have a prior existing business relationship or banking relationship. And the last big mistake that I see, this one has been really common, especially over the last year or two, is evaluating a mortgage option or a proposal for a mortgage based solely on the interest rate that you're getting and not looking at the other parts of that mortgage. So those, I would say, are the top three mistakes. Why is having a mortgage strategy, though, so important, especially if you're a first-time homebuyer? Right. So a lot of people look at a mortgage as a necessary evil. You need a house, you need a mortgage. You need money out of your house, you need to get a mortgage or some type of financial instrument against that equity. So the reason why having a mortgage strategy is so important is because a mortgage is a long-term commitment. This isn't something that you're going to be taking for three or six months or even a year. Um, I believe the average mortgage in the United States, as of the last uh, poll that they did on this, was around four years. So, of course... 30-year mortgage, 20-year mortgage. Why do people only keep it four years? Because things change. Interest rates change, home values change, people's needs change. So you may swap out that mortgage for a multitude of reasons after just a couple years of keeping it. Um, So you really want to think about tomorrow and not only today. What if something happened to you, your job, your family? How could you fit that mortgage into your financial plan? And if you couldn't, what is your plan B? Well, you have to sell your home. What are you going to do if you had a financial dysfunction, like a job loss, medical emergency, something like that? You need to make sure that your mortgage is going to be sustainable or else the first time you hit a financial speed bump, 
you're going to have to step back. And unfortunately, many people end up having to sell their home or whatnot. The The mm. next reason why having a mortgage strategy is so important, even for first-time homebuyers, is because budgets change dramatically, especially when you're buying a home. So you may have a specific budget that you've had for years renting. You've got your monthly rent, your utilities, et cetera. But then you go and buy a home. All of a sudden, next thing you know, you're in a position where you've got extra utility costs. Maybe you're paying for oil now where you weren't before. You've got maintenance and repairs that need to be made on a home. Before when you were renting, the landlord handled those. Now you as the homeowner need to budget and handle for those things. So the budget can change really dramatically and you want to make sure that that mortgage isn't strapping you because then one of these other financial issues come up, you're going to really be in a bad position. Last consideration here about creating that strategy and why it's so important is because you want to consider your equity. If you make a lower down payment on a property, then you're going to have a higher mortgage payment. That may impede you from being able to sell your home or refinance your home in a short period of time because you don't have that equity buildup that you would have had you put a bigger amount down. People that are putting 20, 30 plus percent down have a lot more financial flexibility than somebody putting no money down or three or 5% down. Because again, we don't know what's going to happen in the next few months. What if you got transferred for your job nine months from now and had to sell your home? Well, if you only put a 3% down payment, it's going to be next to impossible to be able to do that unless the home's gone up significantly in value. So for those reasons, I'm sure you're seeing having that mortgage strategy is crucial. What's the average amount people do put down? I know they say put at least five to ten percent down, but but realistically, people put more than that. I that don't was it, know the average okay. in the country. I'll tell you my in yeah. my practice. I will tell you for first time home buyers, I would say the average is around five percent down. Some do put down the three to three and a half. Okay, mm-hmm. a lot do that. But I also have first time buyers right now putting down fifteen and twenty percent. So that's good. Yeah, that's very good. So I would say the majority, though, are in that three to five percent. So, you know, that's your answer. Talk about some of the different outlets that someone can get a residential mortgage today. Yeah, maybe it's like, like for example, give us the pros and the cons. Can you? Yeah. Okay. So as I was mentioning earlier, one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they only want to deal with a bank or financial institution they already have an existing relationship with. So what I'm talking about is like where you have your checking account, where you have your savings account. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the place to get your mortgage or that's the best place to get a mortgage for your needs. But what I see a lot of people do because of the society that we're living in, trust is so important, right? More important than Mm. ever. So people don't want to be ripped off. They don't want to be scammed. They don't want to have risk. So they just go with the safe bet. Well, I've had my bank account at XYZ Bank or you know, Smith Credit Union all these years. So I'm just going to go with them for a mortgage because I feel comfortable with them. The downside to that is that most banks and credit unions are not mortgage specialists. Most of the people that are loan officers at a bank or credit union, with all due respect, they're new in the industry. Most that have been in mortgage for 10 to 20 years or longer, they're not working at the bank or credit union. That's where most people that are starting out actually start and cut their teeth and get their experience. Who do you want working on your biggest transaction? Somebody that's done it a thousand times or somebody that you're their like 10th client ever? I think... uh, the results speak for themselves, right? But one of the pros of using a bank or credit union is that sometimes, depending on that bank, they sometimes have really good niche programs. So some of the banks have great doctor loans. So if you're a doctor and you've got 
all this student loan debt, you may have trouble getting a mortgage from a traditional lender, but there are certain banks that have really great doctor loans. They specialize in working with physicians and people in that field, and they have special niche programs that you can only get through the bank because they portfolio them. They keep those loans in-house. They don't sell them off. So in certain circumstances like that, it's great to get a mortgage from a bank or credit union. Also, home equity lines of credit. That's a pro product that's a bank product. You're usually going to get the best interest rate, the lowest fees, the best option from a bank or credit union versus a mortgage broker, banker, or the other outlets. Now, that that is the other option that you have when it comes to getting a mortgage besides a bank credit union is a mortgage broker or excuse me, a mortgage banker or a correspondent lender. So a mortgage banker, correspondent lender are basically one in the same. What is going to allow them to have a huge leg up when it comes to processing a mortgage is that a mortgage banker or a correspondent lender, they have a lot more control of the process. It's a much smoother process. Underwriting is typically done in-house, so they have control of the underwriter. They have good communication with the underwriter. So if you've got a more complicated loan file, you've got some kinks that need to be worked out, a mortgage banker or a correspondent may be a great option, if not the best option for you when it comes to getting that loan. The con or the downside to using a mortgage banker or a correspondent lender is that some of them have something called overlays. Now you're wondering, what is overlays? What does that mean? Overlays are additional guidelines that they overlay on top of the standard guidelines. So just as an example, like on a conventional loan, Fannie Mae will typically go to a 45% debt ratio in many circumstances. Um, but a mortgage banker may say, no, we want to reduce our risk, so we're only going to allow a 40% debt ratio. So they put their additional layer on top of that. So you may get denied from one mortgage banker and go to another and get the same loan approved. Why? Because they have this additional overlay. So it's hmm. something to ask about. It's something to keep in mind. The last outlet that you're going to want to look at for getting a mortgage in today's market is going to be a mortgage broker. Almost everyone's heard of a mortgage broker, right? So they're mm -hmm. somebody that actually puts you together with a lender. So they find you as a consumer. They find a lender on the other side. They match you up. The pro of a mortgage broker is by far they have the best product mix. They have renovation loans, construction loans, jumbo loans, conventional loans, a huge product mix, okay? But the con is they have less control of the process. They're basically farming your loan out to a third party to do the processing, the underwriting, that sort of thing. So it's longer wow. processing times, longer decision times. I've heard of you know, clients waiting two, three weeks just to find out their loan was denied. Unfortunately, depending on the lender that your mortgage broker hooked you up with, that happens and it happens quite often. Another thing that's, I don't want to say common, but it happens more often with mortgage brokers than these other types of outlets is... A week before your closing, you find your loan gets denied. Why? How? How could that happen? Because they have no control of their process and it takes so long to get decisions made. They're, again, farming it out to these third parties. Some of them are in the opposite end of the country or maybe even overseas. And by the time that, you know, the game of telephone happens and it gets back to you, you find out weeks later that your loan was denied. It's unfortunate. It's tragic. In many cases, you end up losing your home. That doesn't happen as often with a mortgage mortgage banker or a direct bank because of the fact that they have more control over that process. So as you're seeing, there's a lot of different options. There's a lot of different outlets. That's why you want to make yourself familiar with this so you can choose the best for you. But um, before I go on, Gary, one of the best things about mortgage brokers, is they have great pricing. If you are looking for 
absolutely the lowest interest rate available and that's the only thing you care about, although I don't think that's a wise move, <laughs> a mortgage broker usually does have the access to that sharp uh, pricing that you're looking for. There's a lot there, man. That was, you just, that can get, it's so intricate, so detailed. There's got to be, there's got to be other methods though that can, I guess maybe that an individual could use to evaluate a mortgage this is besides just looking for the lowest interest rate. Right, that yeah. low rate that everyone wants. Well, yeah, I mean, of course. obviously. But yeah. that's that's what the banks have trained everyone to do is what's your rate, what's your fee? Whoever has the lowest rate and the lowest fee, that's the one that you should go with. That's not the way that it is, but that's what the bank wants you to think. Okay, so here's the deal. You want to make sure that you're dealing with someone that's professional, that has a track record and has experience. How do you find that out? Reviews and referrals. If you know someone that just went through the mortgage process, buying a home or refinancing, find out, did they have a good experience? Did they have an amazing experience? If they had that rave review, that five-star, that VIP red carpet experience, that's the lender that you want to link up with. The service that you get and the way that you're treated as a consumer, as a homeowner or a future homeowner is going to be way more important for you in the long run than getting an eighth of a point lower on the interest rate. Because a lowest rate on the wrong loan is going to cause you financial hardship in the long run. It is. And you do it right or you're going to have to do it twice. And a lot of people that got a mortgage a year or two ago and took the wrong loan, they're having to redo it now, even though the rates are higher because they screwed up and they didn't take this advice. Another great place to be vetting out your lender and how to evaluate a mortgage uh, and a mortgage officer is online presence and social media. Anybody this day and age that has knowledge and experience in the mortgage or lending industry is going to have some sort of online presence, whether that be Google My Business, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, somewhere that you can vet this person out and find out that they're not just a salesperson, but they're actually an advisor. They have a heart of a teacher. That's the type of person you want advising you when it comes to your mortgage and real estate. So make sure that you vet them online with that presence, watch some of their videos, look at some of their posts, make sure that it aligns with the type of person that you want to work hmm. with on your end. And the last idea that I want to instill in you for evaluating a mortgage and getting the best mortgage is a unique plan or a unique product or strategy. So what you'll find is a lot of mortgage brokers and a lot of banks and credit unions, they will simply get your loan application and quote you a rate and fee. They won't really ask those deep, dark questions about your long-term financial plans, your retirement, how long do you plan on being in the home, all these little things that play into the type of mortgage that you're going to get. But what you'll find is many who are experienced, like myself, almost 20 years in the industry we just take ourselves away from just competing on price. And we really want to compete on the advice and the unique plan that you're going to get, which is going to save you tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars more than just getting the lowest rate on the lo wrong loan. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Along with uh, Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. You can contact Rob very easily at 860-413-3938 and online at robgw.com. More towards the end of the show, I'll repeat uh, those points of contact. Rob, though, I'm curious, why, why do you feel it's so important to discuss these mortgage mistakes here? The reason I think it's so important is because 
I see the same mistakes being made over and ah, over. Yeah, it's okay. like you see the same, you see people jumping off a cliff, right? The mm. same cliff over and over. You're going to want to go put a sign up there and stop them and say, hey, step back. Wait a second. You're not going down the right path. So seeing these mistakes, and I see the same mistakes today that I saw 10 years ago which is crazy, but that just shows you personal finance. A lot of it is emotional. A lot of it's behavioral. It has nothing mm. to do with the market, with the economy, with the interest rates. A lot of it is deep down inside of you and all these external forces that are actually manipulating your heart, your mind, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and you're going to make that wrong financial decision for you, and you're going to make the best financial decision for the people selling you the financial products, the big banks, the credit unions, the financial institutions. So after seeing it so many times, it's like, let's really instill some knowledge and education in people so they don't make that same mistake twice. Because as I said, you either do it right or you do it twice. And every time you do a mortgage, you pay closing costs, you pay fees, you pay title insurance. There's all these things that go into it. So one wrong mistake on a mortgage could literally cost you tens of thousands of dollars. And if it's on the wrong loan product, it could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars by being in the wrong loan at the wrong time. Interesting. I, it's always... I'm always fascinated um, you bringing up probably, you know, issues that I think are taboo. A lot of people wouldn't want to discuss the mistakes that people are making, but you, you tackle them. What about new real estate investors? What mistakes do you see them making time and time again? Just in the last couple months, I've seen a lot of real estate investors that have contacted me, people that own a home, that have seen that home value go up. They've seen that opportunity in real estate come to fruition, but now they're sitting on this equity. They don't know what to do. And the first thing that comes to mind is let me get that equity out and invest it. A lot of these investors are obviously new in the field. They maybe have only owned one home in their life, so they don't understand real estate investing, and I see a lot of those same mistakes that they make. So the first thing is only evaluating a real estate transaction based on what the gross rent is. So if you're looking at a property for, let's say, $400,000, and you find out that the rent is, let's say, $3,500 a month for the property... If you stop there, that could sound like a good deal. Okay, mm. my mortgage is going to be like 3200 The rent's going to be 35 I'm good. That's a good deal. Right, I'm in right. profit. That's the biggest novice mistake that you can make is just looking at that. You oh. need to really step back. You need to look at vacancy rates. Just because someone's willing to pay a certain amount doesn't mean that it's 100% occupied. What if that tenant moves out? How long is it going to take you to find someone else to replace that? What if you're without a tenant for two or three months? Do you have the money to pay that mortgage, to pay that upkeep, taxes, insurance, uh, maintenance, and whatnot? That's really important. Also, a lot of properties, especially in the Northeast, are older. They have maintenance requirements uh, that need to be done. There's replacements that need to be completed and whatnot. So you really want to look at all that as well. Get an inspection on a home or have a professional look at it with you. Make sure you know all the things that are going to need to be done. Last thing is overestimating the market. Just because the home values have gone up 18% last year doesn't mean they're going to go up that much this year, next year, in the future. Are you comfortable with the real estate market where it is? And if the property did not increase in value in the next couple years would it still be a good deal those are the top mistakes i'm seeing investors make when it comes to like specifically refinancing are there certain common mistakes that you see that could be improved upon or? i do all the time refinancing is probably one of the biggest areas i see people making mistakes when it comes to their mortgage because i think a lot of homeowners step back and go you know what i've owned my home mm. i got a good mortgage i got equity I can write my own ticket. You know, I got good credit. 
I can basically get whatever I want. That's the mentality they have. That's not necessarily correct, but what they'll do is they'll go to a mortgage company and, and say, hey, here's what I'm looking to do. They'll talk to this order taker, not an advisor, but an order taker and say, okay, you're looking for a 15-year mortgage, 20,000 cash out, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's what we're going to offer you. And then they tell you, all right, your rate's going to be 5%. Here's your payment. Here's all this. And you go, hmm, hey, that's what I wanted. Sounds good. Let's roll with it. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that was the best loan for you. What if you talk to another advisor? What if we determine a 15-year loan isn't the best loan for you? Or you could consolidate all this debt and save a lot more money doing it a different way. So taking the first refinance proposal that you get is one of the biggest mistakes that I see. That's probably the one that costs people the most right there. Because just getting a second opinion could save you thousands of dollars, just one additional phone call or inquiry. Next thing is not taking advantage of a higher value. So lately we've seen where home values have started coming in higher than expected because the market's been hot. If your home value comes in higher than expected and you were going to cash out equity, you want to check, hey, with that higher home value, can I cash out more equity? Does that make sense? If you have other debt that you weren't going to be able to pay off, maybe now with a higher value, you can go ahead and do that. A lot of mortgage uh, consultants and people that are loan officers for banks and credit unions, they'll just get the appraisal, say, yep, it's at least what we needed. Check that box. And then they'll just finalize your loan without asking you or talking to you about changing the terms of the loan or making some adjustments in your favor now that that's happened. So really something big to keep in mind. That one right there could save you anywhere from five to $10,000 on your next refinance. Next thing is realistic planning for the future. A lot of people will think I need to refi so I can get this cash out or I need to get a HELOC or a new mortgage so I can get this money out. But in the back of their head, they're going, I'm selling my house in a year. Well, if you're going to sell your house in a short period of time, getting a mortgage is typically one of the worst financial mistakes you can make because there's costs and fees associated with that mortgage. If you're only going to keep it a short amount of time, you're not going to get that benefit and you're going to end up paying all those fees back when you close and sell your home. So really think out, are you going to stay in this home for enough time that the refi is going to make sense and you're going to get a return on that investment? Last thing is future unknowns. I think everyone knows nowadays with the craziness we've been through the last couple of years, there's a lot of unknowns out there. There's black swan events that occur every now and then that just take everyone by surprise. 9-11, COVID, things of that nature. Nobody's expecting them. Well, I can guarantee you that another one of those is going to happen in the next five to 10 years. Are you ready? Will you be ready? Have you accounted for that unknown when it comes to paying your mortgage, paying your bills? Do you have your emergency fund and all these items set up? So if we got into another pandemic in a year or two, could you pay your bills? Would you keep your house or would you be the one begging on the street, unfortunately? So you really want to make sure that the mortgage fits into that long-term plan and allows you to account for those unknowns. So much that you've given us just in this short amount of time this morning. Where can people find you? So I'm all over the internet. I like to put this knowledge out all over social media. Best place to find me is going to be YouTube, Robert Weinberg Mortgage. So youtube.com slash Robert Weinberg Mortgage. Weinberg is W-E-I-N as in Nancy, B-E-R-G. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Weinberg Mortgage. And you can find us on Twitter under Weinberg Lending. So go check it out. We're putting out all this information, mm. full episodes from today and all our other episodes. You can go 
back and review previous ones. Uh, a lot of value there. A lot of value. Yeah. Just plug in what you're looking for, and we'll get you the knowledge. I made a promise earlier, and it's kind of along the same lines as this, and that is some points of contact for you. Folks, uh, I would start with the website. It's very easy, robgw.com. Once again, robgw.com. By the way, if you've got a question uh, that you'd like to have answered on these very airwaves, uh, simply email us at Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. Once again, it's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And if you'd like to schedule a meeting with Robin, why wouldn't you? Uh, write this phone number down. Call him immediately. Schedule this appointment. 860-413-3938. Let me repeat that for you. Write it down. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Uh- Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.